In the name of Jesus, amen. What is the world? It's fallen. Dear Christian, you are surrounded by an evil world. Have no doubt, this evil world desires to seduce you, to place you under its power. It wishes for you to fall from the faith, for you to spend eternity apart from your God and his love and his care. I cannot overstress to you how hard this world works to lead you astray. I cannot overemphasize how great the danger is. It is the greatest danger that you face during your earthly life. Satan is always at work behind the scenes. One of the ways this evil world seeks to seduce you is through your stuff. Or, as scripture calls your stuff, mammon. This world tempts you to love your stuff more than you love God. To love your money, your clothes, your car, your cell phone, your house, your status, your Reese's peanut butter cup more than you love God. And if you succumb to this love of stuff, then you've broken the first commandment, which says you should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. The world calls, the world tempts, the world is after you. Our Lord Jesus Christ knew this would be your reality. He knows that the world is seeking after you to seduce you and lead you astray. And so he teaches us this morning's parable that your desires for mammon, for stuff, may be quenched, and so that you may live with him forever in his kingdom. There's a man, the parable says, who is a steward for a wealthy master. The word steward means that he's been given the job of caring for his master's stuff properly. But instead of doing so, the accusation comes that he's been squandering it. Perhaps in the same way that the prodigal son squandered the inheritance from his father on loose living in a foreign land. Perhaps as King Solomon did on countless concubines and palaces. 
perhaps as King Ahaz did on false worship in the house of God. How the money was squandered, we aren't certain, but we are taught an important truth about stewardship. It comes to an end. And when it comes to an end, there's a reckoning. The master removes the steward, and the steward is now left in a real pickle. As he himself confesses, he's too weak to dig ditches. He's too full of pride to go out and beg. He's become used to the life of squandering another's possessions, of living high on the hog without having to foot the bill. So he hatches a plan. He'll mastermind one last great squandering of his master's wealth. He'll reduce the debts of those who owe his master money. And he'll do so before the books are collected, before he's out on his ear. Then those who are forgiven their debts to the master will welcome him into their homes once he's in need. So they can sit around, drink wine together, and laugh at how they pulled a mutually beneficial squandering of the master's goods. It's a shrewd move, worldly speaking. Very clever. It buys him some time to find a new master to manipulate and take advantage of. It keeps him warm and fed, clothed and housed. And his master still bears the brunt of the cost, just in a different way than before. It allows the unjust steward to make friends to support him in his time of need. That's the parable. And from a worldly view, it makes sense. Perhaps we've even seen this sort of manipulation take place. Or, sad to say, perhaps some of us have participated in that sort of thing ourselves. It's very wise and shrewd from a worldly point of view, but we are Christians. What are we to take from this? Well, each one of you, dear Christian, are steward as well. Of what? Of all that you have, all of your possessions. Believe it or not, they first belonged to God. In fact, they still do. 
He created them, after all, by the power of his word. Let there be, and there was. And then he took the things, the stuff that he had made, and he gave some of them to you. You confess this reality in the small catechism, in fact. God gives you clothing, shoes, food, drink, house, home, wife, children, land, animals, and all that you have. God richly and daily provides you with all that you need to support this body and life. God has made you a steward of all this stuff. He's governed your stewardship with the seventh commandment. You shall not steal. This protects your earthly possessions and income. You are not to steal to gain more possessions for yourself, and your neighbors not to steal from you either, not even in a sneaky, underhanded way. Instead, you are free to support, to help, to provide for one another, even to help your neighbor improve his possessions and income. And God doesn't really care about the amount of worldly possessions that you have. He cares that you use what you have rightly, justly, correctly. You are to use the stuff God has made you a steward of in love towards him and love towards neighbor. But the world has fallen and seeks your eternal demise. It turns everything upside down on its head. The lies of Satan are constantly whispering in your ear. What does he say? The one who has the most toys in the end wins. Your sinful nature is in on the deception. It too always wants more and more and more. It wants to live in the big house on the hill to drive the fast, shiny red sports car, to have the newest, most expensive cell phone with unlimited data plans. Ooh. The evil world tempts you with this idea through advertising, through politics, through covetousness and jealousy. Satan says, 
If you haven't got what you want, take it by force. Or destroy the property of your neighbor who has what you want. This happens almost daily now in places like Portland, and even happened here in our own community not long ago in riots. Your sinful nature encourages you to cheat, to steal, to lie and deceive, all to get what you want. Your sinful nature agrees with the politicians who tell you, you deserve more. Who encourage you to find a way to take the property of those around you by government force in things like socialism and communism. Tells you to hoard up stuff for yourself not to share with things like pure capitalism. If only we take everything from the rich, then I won't be poor. Thus we say to ourselves, Christ's word says, that's a covetous thought. In Matthew 26, he says, the poor you will always have with you. In other words, they can't steal their way to riches, at least not all of them. And if we are poor, we always run the risk of making wealth, stuff, mammon our God. The God that we would give anything to possess and worship and enjoy. Even give our lives. Or if you're one of those who has been given a great stewardship, if you're wealthy, as most of us in the US are when compared to the rest of the world, our sinful nature tells us to keep those things for ourselves, to hoard them and save them for the rainy day. We say, you have ample goods laid up for yourself for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. But Christ says this too is sin. Fool, this night your life is required of you. And who then will own your possessions. And so it is that when we are poor, we make idols of those who are not and the stuff that they have. When we are wealthy, we fail to notice the poor Lazaruses sitting at our doorways in need. We are stewards of the stuff that God has given. And we squander it away 
time after time. Dear Christian, the great reckoning is coming. The day when you must give account, it draws nearer every moment. What will your master say of you? Will the Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit find your use of possessions and stuff and mammon, unrighteous wealth, wanting on the day of reckoning? Yes. Sadly for many of us, all of us, even myself included, we will be found guilty, sinfully and shamefully in love with the mammon of this world. When the books are called, what friend will help you? When the reckoning comes, who will speak on your behalf? Will the garage full of boxes of molding wealth save you? When death comes, Can you be buried in your bass boat? Will your desire of wealth that belongs to your neighbor stop you from laying in the grave next to his? Will heaven be bestowed upon the size of your headstone? Those who have larger headstones Entering before those who have none? No. These things are not your friend. Christ is clear. You cannot serve both God and money. The fallen world has deceived you. Dear Christian, in our gospel lesson, the steward was commended not for his thievery, but instead for shrewdly making the right friends in his time of need. We too need the right friend, the right helper, the right advocate, the person who will speak on our behalf. And there's only one friend that can save you from this fallen world that loves stuff. That friend is Jesus. Specifically, the bloody, wounded, crucified Jesus. He did not love 
the stuff of this world. He didn't hoard it for himself, not gold or silver, but instead he gave up all of that for you. The devil himself offered him all the world, all the kingdoms, all the riches. And he turned him down cold. Why? To save you. Jesus left behind his home and wandered about homelessly preaching for three years, delivering the blessed word of God. He was wrongly arrested, betrayed by one of the disciples who stole from the money bag, stripped of his own clothing, nailed to a cross, naked. Even life itself was taken from him. All of this Christ gladly gave and paid so that he could have you for his own blessed people. We say it in the Catechism. He purchased and won you, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, innocent suffering and death, so that you may be his own, so that you may live under him in his kingdom, so that you may serve him, not in sin, but in everlasting righteousness, blessedness, and innocence. Christ gave everything he had for your sins of covetousness, for your sins of thievery, for your sins of hoarding. He died and rose to forgive all of us our sins of loving stuff more than God. You're forgiven. His cross sets you free. It took your sin from you forever. It washed you and made you well. Christ is the friend who advocates for you before God, who declares you righteous for his name's sake. In the cross of Jesus, his blood, his wounds, you are absolutely and totally forgiven now and always. Jesus is the friend who one day will welcome you into eternal life. Trust that friend. 
Let him give an accounting for you. Serve him, not your money. Can we? Yes, in the forgiveness of sins, won by Christ, delivered to you in holy baptism, a new person has been born within you, a person who is free to use stuff rightly, a person who's free to use mammon for eternal gain. Do not mean that you can buy your way into heaven or even to earn it. Christ has already done that. But you're free to use the mammon of this world to make more friends, to befriend the poor Lazarus who begs outside your door, who needs food and clothing, to befriend the neighbor who needs help caring for their property and is unable to do so themselves to befriend the local shopkeep and provide him with an income in exchange for goods or services. You're free in Christ now to spend money on clothing, shoes, food, drink, even on bass boats and vehicles, so long as these items do not become a God that removes Christ from the premier position in your life. You're free to support the preaching of the gospel by putting money in the church offering box so that your congregation can cool the sanctuary in the summer and heat it in the winter so that more people can come to hear the word. The good news of salvation through Christ alone. You're free to support mission work supporting pastors and word and sacrament ministry all over the world. You're free in the forgiveness of Jesus to use your stuff rightly in service to God and love towards neighbor. Christ has already won your salvation. Your stuff cannot save you. Only he can. And so when the day of reckoning comes, your last day, in the forgiveness of Jesus, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. You and all the other friends you have made by your unrighteous mammon all of those who have been brought to repentance of the love of stuff and who, through the word and the sacrament, have been saved by the blood and wounds of Jesus, who gave all his stuff so that you can live forever. You are a steward and even though the world be fallen, you belong to Christ. And you use God's stuff appropriately. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.